0: from Fem Pharma, and you are listening to the Love Mia Vita podcast. Today, my guest is a distinguished nursing practitioner, Dr. Shawana Moore from Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Moore, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. And Dr. Moore, among other things, is one of our Scientific Advisory Council members, but she has a very distinguished background. And Shawana, perhaps you can share that with our, our audience.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much for having me here today, Jerry. I'm looking forward to our discussion. So as Jerry mentioned, I am a women's self-nurse practitioner by training. I, In my previous role, I served as the director of the Women's Self-Gender Related Nurse Practitioner Program at Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia. Presently, I serve as an associate professor and a director of the Doctor of Nursing Practice Program at Neil Hutchinson Woodrow School of Nursing at Emory University. And in this specific role, I am assisting with preparing the next generation of advanced registered nurses to really translate knowledge, evidence, and data to really transform practice and how we impact communities overall. I also serve as the president of the National Association of Nurse Practitioners and Women's Health. We're the leading organization for courageous conversations around women's health and gender related health care. So for over a decade, I provided women's health and reproductive health care services to underserved populations, specifically within Philadelphia, Camden, New Jersey, and now within the state of Georgia area. I still practice clinically at the Center for Black Women's Wellness that is located here in Atlanta, Georgia.
0: So Dr. Moore's CV weighs a ton. You can imagine that she's accomplished quite a lot in her very young life and we're so delighted to have her here with us. Today's topic is going to be something that is near and dear to everyone's heart, especially to healthcare practitioners. And really that's but but it really is something that we all need to practice and that is self-care wellness, and mindfulness. We need to do this in our everyday living. And sometimes that's difficult, but we have to be intentional about it. Because when we suffer, we cannot be a person for others. And I know Shawana understands that because let's face it, as a doctor of nursing practice, and as an educator, and as a mom, and as a wife, She's taking care of a lot of people. So she is eminently qualified to speak on this topic. So, may I call you Shawana? Absolutely. So Shawana, tell it, let's start with self-care because there's so many different parts of self-care. Why, why, do we need, why do we need to take care of ourselves? What's so important about self-care? So
1: I I like to compare this to when you're on a flight and they tell us, put your mask on, your oxygen mask on before you help others. So in order to be the best person you can be for other people, you first have to take care of yourself. And it really has to be a holistic approach. So various aspects that includes your mind, your body, your spirit, all those things need to be taken care of in multiple layers. And it's something that you have to really be intentional about on a regular basis. Um, I always tell people, if you're not well, how can you excel in any area of your life? You know, you have people who are really career-driven and professional-driven, and like, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't be the best career-driven individual, right? So everything has to always start internally within self-care from various aspects. And I always say the three focus points are Mind your body and your spirit. How are you keeping those things um, well overall?
0: Well, as a healthcare practitioner, you also recognize that in the absence of self-care, there are a number of implications. the The big one, and and you know, we we know that there's an impact of stress, right? So stress weakens the immune system. There is an impact on your GI system, your gastrointestinal system. So when you have, whether it's irritable bowel or constipation or inflammation, and then there's the biggie, which is cardiovascular disease. So all these are mediated by stress, but, but it goes beyond that because there's so many different elements to, to self-care. When we're taking care of each other, we feel good. That's the number, that's kind of the number one reason, right? It makes yeah. you feel good when you take care of yourself. And we underestimate that. I I think that's so
1: important. I'm like, you hit on some really important points, Jerry. That stress is so key. It hits down to the cellular level within our bodies and can contribute to so many disease processes that we're not even aware of. I, I look at stress as a silent pillar over time. So the more and more impact we have with stress, the more likely we may be have a higher risk of, of being potentially diagnosed or at risk for different disease processes or conditions. So ways to minimize your stress is self-care. I tell people therapy, therapy should be a mainstay of your health care, right? And your self-care as well. Some people think you only go to therapists therapist when something's wrong, but I say, no, 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 you have therapists to help support you within your self-care journey is somebody that's professional that you can talk to. It doesn't have to be about problems. It can be just dialogue. So I think it's important um, to have tools within our toolbox that help us contribute to self-care. So I'm like, I fully support therapy when it comes for our overall mental and emotional state, right? Other things in terms of what do you enjoy doing? So for me, I love walking. So that physical piece. Being able to walk, I know it's it's raining here today, unfortunately, but I'll still walk. I walk in my house. So I have a room that I go in and this is not a big room. It's a small room and I'll run around and I had a colleague say, you run around in circles. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, it still helps me. I'm like, I don't necessarily have to go outside to run. If I have a space in my house to run, I'll run. So any type of physical activity that you enjoy doing. I even started like my Apple Watch. I'll dance because you can put the dance thing on and I'll play music in the house and I have a six-year-old son, and we'll just stand. And that helps with my physical, right? And that's the part of self-care. The other thing I recommend is if you have the opportunity to know how to do your own facial, facials are wonderful. Or if you have um, can afford to go to a place where they can do facials, those are so relaxing. So I've learned how to make my own little kit of Facial products, right? And I do my little facial routine. I don't do it every day, but at least three days out of the week. But for me, it's how I'm giving myself some self care. The other thing is staying in the now, being able to stay in the now, not thinking about what's behind me or what's ahead of me, saying this is what I'm doing right now, and then being able to stay in that place helps me to stay within that self care realm with my mental space as well. So I think it's multifaceted, and I think people have to be aware of what they like doing, what makes them happy, what soothes them. My other big one is travel. I love to travel. So if I can be on an airplane going somewhere, it makes my day and that's a part of my self-care because when I'm up in the air, I have no control over everything. So I let everything go and it's like, okay, you rely on this, the pilot to get you to and from where you're going. So my sense of needing to be in control of the driver's seats goes all the way because I know I have no control over what's happening.
0: You know, it's funny that you uh, you talk about dancing. Um, I love music, ah. and um, for a long, long time ago, I used to sing. Okay. And as I as I got older, I stopped singing so much in public, and decided that I would just do it in the car, in private. But it it actually is a great relaxation technique for me. And it helps me to reconnect with the things that I really love, whether it's jazz or ballads. Um, I still haven't mastered sort of the heavy metal rock and roll that I used to, that I grew up with, but it, but singing really does take me to a different place, and it you know, and then you try to hone your skills. But that's a that those are the things that are part of that self care routine. Finding something that you love, finding something that sort of keeps you in the here and now. And does and distracts you from this desire to always be in control. Because let's face it, somebody else is in control. It's it's a higher power that's in control. Whatever you believe is what you believe. And that, you know, we 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 know that if you can turn it over to a higher power, that's also a good thing. You use the, the analogy of the pilot, right? In the plane. It yeah. is so true. You just kind of turn it all over and say, okay, I'm here. Right, I'm here, and I'm going to get to a certain place, and I'm going to I'm going to allow myself the grace to feel that I don't need to be in control. I've turned it over. I've turned that over. Um, and we sometimes, though, we think, or I should say that folks get concerned that self care equals self indulgence, and the two are really different.
1: Completely different. Um, Self-care to me is a critical part of everyday living, right? It's not an over-absorption of oneself, right? It's ensuring that you are equipped enough to bring the best version of yourself forward every day. So uh, I think there's a really stark difference between the two. Um, And again, in order to have the best version of yourself be presented, you have to have self-care and self-indulgence is not it. You know, it's not overly absorbed with oneself and putting oneself ahead ahead of everything, right? So that's that doesn't equate to self-care. Self-care is giving yourself the basic things you need on an everyday bit basis to be the best version of yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean we talk about some there are some folks that think, oh well, I you know, I can be self-indulgent and they go into extravagances, perhaps with things they can't afford. And let's let's be honest. What makes us happy Aren't necessarily the material things in life. It's really the things that you know the 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 individuals that we love, the times that we can share, whether they're time whether they're quiet time, just being being in the present with yourself, with your own thoughts, right? Just trying to you know absorb all of that is really an opportunity to self care, just taking, taking down the stress. And then we we talk about sort of basic things for self-care and wellness and one of those critical areas is sleep and i know we're all sleep deprived yes
1: we are sleep is so important um i think textbook tells us we need eight hours of sleep a day they can go for nine go for nine um, but our bodies need rest so being mindful of ensuring you have a proper night's sleep is important. Now you have people who function better with shorter hours of sleep. Um, We call them high functioning people. Typically, usually are people in like executive level positions where they have a shorter duration of sleep. But I think, I know for me personally, I've started a routine where now I'm in bed by 8, 8.30ish every night. And then I'm up around 6.30ish in the morning, but I make sure I have my my proper sleep, because it helps me function. It helps me to be able to deal with the everyday realities, whether they be good or bad, but as a career-based woman, I carry a lot of hats, right, and a lot of people that I engage with and collaborate with, and it allows me to be able to speak to people and engage with people in the right state of mind, because I properly rest not only my mind, because when you sleep, your mind's resting. No, we dream, but I think it's when, you, when I'm asleep, I'm at peace because my thought process, whatever's happening, I'm not fully aware of it, right? And then I'm like, my body, boy, when I wake up and I can have a great stress, I'm like, I slept really well. Um, but I think sleep is is, is key. Um, so being being able to ensure we have that at least eight hours, I would say nine, nine and a half was, is better if we can have a midday nap. I know with now a lot of things being virtually and people working from home, you do have a time where you can carve out during your lunch break 30 minutes to kind of lay your head down and rest. Um, and even if you're not able to have the, the eight hours or more of rest because of various factors, right? Some people have to work multiple jobs. They have other competing priorities that limit their ability to sleep. What I would say one that you can practice is mindfulness, right? So I'm like, even though you may not be physically asleep, but there's a way where you can rest your mind. So if you can take moments out of your day to just focus on nothing at all and just be one with yourself. And a great thing now is they have so much technology where there's apps that helps you to to, um, address mindfulness and being calm. So I'm like, there's various ways you can still try to rest your mind and body and not necessarily be asleep because I understand people have other competing things that may not allow them to be able to have um, that that long sleep period. And even parents, I'm like, when well, you have children, especially young children, you're very sleep deprived. So it's like, how do you carve out time to at least have your mind at rest, right? Um, so what, I think with technology now, there are a lot of ways you can do that. And one thing is using those various apps to help you focus on mindfulness to rest your
0: mind. Yeah, it's, it is absolutely so true. I, I'm reflecting on a time when I was an undergraduate and I worked a third shift, and then I had to start classes at 8.15 in the morning at university. I was majoring in biology, so I had a lot of labs. And I have empathy for folks that have to work and go to school or work multiple jobs because you don't always have the luxury. And I remember feeling that I could do it all, even though I'm sure I was sleep deprived. And I'm sure there are folks that are watching or listening and they are saying, that's me. I, you know, I'm working two jobs, maybe they're going to school, maybe they have kids, maybe all of the above. And how to find that time to carve out for yourself is really important. One of the things that we started doing um, at our office at Fem Pharma is I insist that people take 15 minutes. You know, people are so driven, they want to do a good job, and I'm so proud of them for wanting to do that. But First and foremost, they have to take care of themselves. And so I say, you know, get up, walk out, take a walk around the parking lot if you need to. Just give yourself that 15 minutes, irrespective of what the weather is doing. Now, I will say this they don't always take that advice. And I, you know, and and I try to remember to do it myself. And in in my case, one of the things that 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 helps to do for me is I breathe. There's so many times when I'm so stressed out, so all this is going on around that I don't actually breathe. And I can tell that I'm not breathing because my voice changes. So if you hear my voice change during this podcast, you'll know that I'm not breathing. (laughs) I'm not going to die, but I'm not breathing. So taking taking time for that breath. Taking time for that mindfulness, and we get to mindfulness in a little bit, I think it's so important, and you're right. If you don't get your, a good night's sleep, because some of us don't, some of us suffer from insomnia, or because of you know shift work that we're doing, or did do, you know it disrupts our sleep cycle. So trying to find that, a way to regain a little bit of that energy during the day without loading up on sugar and caffeine and what have you is, is really critical. And we're gonna talk about diet too, because we know that you have to eat well, right? You have to nourish your body. You said this early on: body, mind, and spirit. And the body can't survive without nourishment. Absolutely. Same thing with the soul. The soul needs spiritual nourishment. It's
1: true. Very
0: true.
1: Um, I'm like, I think it's multi-layer, especially when you think about our food. We are what we eat. I'm like, that's is really true. If I have a a day filled with things that may not be as healthy and we call it junk food, um, lots of snacks, I'm sluggish. I'm sluggish throughout the day. And typically I don't sleep well at night and I wake up and I'm still full. So that's when I know I ate something that I probably shouldn't have ate throughout the day. But when we give our body things that help us uh, re-energize ourselves, that really helps fuel us to be productive and active. And I'm like, and it shows physically too. I'm like, it's great. I know mean, people say, great, leafy vegetables, but having a diet rich in vegetables is important. Lean meats, excellent, right? Or fish, right? I don't eat red meat. It's nothing against red meat. If you eat it, great. But I would say probably limit how much you eat or, and choose the lean, leaner red meats if you do. Um, fiber is excellent, water. So important. I say water like I'm still from like I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm like, listen, I grew up outside of Philadelphia. We say water, okay? So water is so important. So I have this jug now that tracks my water intake, but it not only tracks, but it motivates me. It'll say you're you're halfway there, keep going, a little bit more to go as I get through different por- uh, portions of consuming it per day. I always say limit sugary uh drinks, so like your sodas. Um, And be careful on those things that say zero sugar, because sometimes they substitute with a different type of sugar. Um, So be mindful of those type of drinks as well. Um, But just being conscious and trying to have a well-balanced diet. Right. And I always say I diet and not that I'm dieting to lose weight. I use diet in general as terms of what I consume, but mindfully on how I spend. It's called, it, people say it costs a lot to eat healthy, but I think it costs a lot to eat in general. When you think about the prices of how groceries have gone up significantly over the past few years, it's quite expensive. So I think being mindful of how you shop and not thinking, oh, I have to make a certain amount of money in order to eat healthy. That's really not true. You just have to look at your um, online to see what's on sale, the circulars that came, come in the mail, um, and just be be mindful of the choices that you select, but I always say you can eat healthy on a budget because it's sometimes the same amount you spend for food that may not be as healthy could be the same price for something that is healthy.
0: It, it's true, and if you you know, unfortunately, there are folks that live in food deserts, right? So there there is not there's not an abundance of choices. Yeah, and perhaps where they're shopping, they may not have fresh vegetables. They may not have good fish, chicken, could be red meat too. Um, I eat red meat, but I don't eat a lot of it. I grew up on a Mediterranean diet. And by the way, my parents didn't have a lot of money. So when when we had red meat, it was once a week because meat was expensive. But you know, it's interesting. My mom managed to use a lot of vegetables and legumes, And in in my case, because I'm Italian, pasta, um, but you you know, we, we, we ate well, in spite of the fact that we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And I really think that that was my, the, the intentional nature of providing the best possible food within our budget. So they'd go to the market, the fresh produce market, and they would pick up their greens. They would pick up their legumes sometimes the legumes were in a can right okay my mom would rinse them out long before we ever thought about salt my mom would rinse the legumes to get rid of some of the saltiness and she would prepare them the way that she wanted with onions and things of that nature fresh garlic and onions and so forth and that's the way we lived we lived within a budget we had to live within a budget but you can, eat, you are absolutely correct that you can live within your budget and still eat healthy. Yes. I would argue that if you're going and you're eating a lot of fast food, you're probably spending more than you need to and you're and certainly you're not doing much to improve your health. So takes absolutely. a little bit of time. It does take a little bit of time, but it's worth it. That's part of self-care.
1: Absolutely, and, and I think you hit it on right is almost like conscious planning like you're planning out what you're going to how you're going to shop right um when you are selecting your food choices so i'm like that's so interesting that your mother knew like i have to take off of these and prepare them the way i want to prepare i think that gives a great example of ways we can use what we have right to accommodate where we are presently within our lifestyle, to still be able to make healthy choices for ourselves and our families.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talk about, um, you mentioned diet, you mentioned some of the exercises that you do. Exercise is, is super important as a stress reducer. It also raises our endorphins. So it's, it gives us that feel good sense, even if it's, you don't have to go to a gym. I love the idea of dancing. Oh, i love the a not a dancer, but I'll dance for exercise. <laughs> you know, we used to dance around. So uh, when I would come home from work, when my daughter was much, much younger, I would um, I put something on, and the two of us would have a dance off. So right. she was just a little girl. and We'd have a dance off in the kitchen. I'd have something cooking on the stove. I'd keep her away from the stove, of course, but we'd have a dance off. I don't realize how many calories I I actually burned doing that. But it, we would probably do that for at least thirty to forty-five minutes, right? Something's in the oven baking or roasting or whatever, and we do that. And she, you know, she was happy because it gave her that break before she had to start her homework, and it was a great stress reducer. You know, I, I probably ought to start doing that again. <laughs> Maybe I'll come home from work and start, you know, jigging around the kitchen. It works. I'm telling you,
1: Jerry. I've done some interesting things to start to dance with my little six-year-old. I'm like, we put on music, and we just start dancing around the house. We just go. We take breaks and then we'll go back to it.
0: Yeah, it's really good. So, So, again, when you think about exercise, you don't need to think about a treadmill. You don't need to think about an elliptical or a gym. You can do the exercise in your home. Walk up and down the street. Walk up and down your driveway. If you live in a city, and you can, you know, avoid public transportation. Maybe you did know, walk one way to work if it's possible and take public transportation on the way home or vice versa. But there are lots of different ways to get get in a little bit of exercise and take in some fresh air and, you know, see the sights. And yeah, it's, these are all ways in which you can re- relieve that stress. If you had a terrible day at the office, you know, just get on your bike
1: like I agree and I think it's what's the most comfortable way to get you moving so I have a colleague here at Emory and uh, she said oh Swana, like how do you exercise like I, I can't find time to go to I go to go to the gym and you know I have the little people and I'm like no just put your sneakers on and go outside I said it works put your shoes on and go outside and a few months later she said Shawana that was the best advice you ever gave me she said, all I do, I put my stickers on and then I just go for a walk. And she's been walking like about a, a mile to two miles a day. Um, she's limited her, she took away her barriers. So her barrier was getting in the car, driving to the gym. When you take that away. that got her directly able to access the exercise. So I always tell people what's the easiest way to get you moving, figure that out. And then it's something that you can continue to maintain. So. For me, it's putting on my shoes and either start walking or dancing with my little guy around the house. It takes little to no effort to do. It's just a conscious decision that I choose to make on a regular basis. But I always say, what what gives you joy and what's the easiest way to get to that joy?
0: I love that. What gets you what gives you joy and what gets you to that goal? And that's really that's important for us all to remember, right? So I have to be honest with you, I was never a gym person. And working out at home, even if it's walking up and down the driveway or walking up and down my street, same thing. You, even if you don't have fancy sneakers, they're, they're, you put, just put your shoes on.
1: You
0: put your
1: shoes put your on. Shoes on. You to your shoe to get moving. In fact, when I'm in the house, I don't run with shoes on. I run with socks because we have hardwood floors. And I just run with my little um, slip-proof socks around the house. So I'm like, whatever you have, I keep allows you to be safe. And exercise or move—that's all it takes.
0: And then there's relaxation. So we talk about eating well. We talk about you know thinking about a, a good diet and a diet that's within your budget. Trying to keep the, the best nutritional value in mind within your budget. And then we talk about some sleep. But we talk about relaxation. I think we covered some of the relaxation. There probably some techniques that you would recommend in terms of relaxation that perhaps our listeners may not be aware of. But I know you're very creative. So.
1: Yeah, so right now, what's happening outside of my window is a form of relaxation for me. So it's the sound of rain. So rain. So not necessarily natural rain. For me right now, natural rain is happening. But I have um, a music app on my phone where I can listen to um, relaxation music. And most of it is usually um, nature sounds or classical music, more so than nature sounds. I tend to identify with more when it comes to relaxation. So that gives me great peace of mind. Um, The other thing is I'm starting to have a niche for art and lots of relaxation. So I am signed up to take a pottery class. Uh, with, with one of my colleagues to learn how to do, use ceramic to make different items. So I'm starting to realize a connection with art and relaxation. I was in a leadership program when I, at my time at Thomas Jefferson University, and we went to the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. And we did various um, art um, techniques, and I found so much relaxation in drawing like looking at a sculpture and then drawing that and then creating my own um, title or interpretation of it. So relaxation doesn't necessarily mean you're sitting in one space. You could be actively doing something that actually allows you to relax. So for me, it's engaging with different art as well as listening to natural sounds, either in the in the moment where it's live, like hearing rain, or if I can be by an ocean and just relaxing here in the ocean. Fortunately now in Georgia I'm not close to the ocean anymore. In New Jersey, I had to access, but you all I always have access to music on the app that allows me to hear ocean sounds. Um so I think it could be a variety of things. Um and it doesn't necessarily have to be sitting still. You could actively be doing forms of art and that gives you great relaxation.
0: You know, one of the things that was always relaxing to me years ago when I but I had the time, I was cooking. Ah. So preparing food, as you know, we joke about what, what's the difference between mom's food and what you get in a restaurant, there's a little love that goes into mom's food. Yeah, It is true, but the reason that, that, that I believe that there was love involved is because I took the time. So it's part of, it's a relaxation technique. You're thinking about what are the ingredients? What does my family love? What do I love? What, maybe what did my grandmother make that gave me that sense of comfort? Because for many of us, food is comfort. And yeah. you know, we talk about Italian, you know, the Italian comfort foods. And what were the Italian comfort foods? And they were, you know, these, um, the soup that had little meatballs in it. My grandmother used to put the, um, the little tiny pastas in the soup, and, and, but the little meatballs she made by hand. And so, so we think about those sorts of things. It takes time. You're not rushing through it. You're taking time. You're being intentional about it. So that's another form of relaxation. You, you mentioned art. And if you think about your children, if you have children, but if you think about what children like to do, they like to color. And when they're coloring, they're in a zone. And it is a form of relaxation for them because they're, worried, they're they want to stay within the lines. They're choosing their colors, doesn't matter what colors they use, right? They can color a flower multiple, color It doesn't have to be something that even resembles what's in nature. The point is they're using their creativity and it takes them away from all of what's going on around them. So same thing happens to us. It's finding that way to just take it back in, absorb it, and not let anything else interfere. Focus on the moment. Focus on the present. And it is a great form of relaxation. I love the I love the idea of what you're doing with with you know your creative skills and pottery.
1: Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I was inspired by one of my friends, and I'm like, you know what? I think that would be a great form of relaxation for me. And I'm like, I'll get to bring back some nice ceramics for the household.
0: Yes, absolutely. And who knows, you might even display them somewhere. Yeah. Right? It depends on, you know, you're, you're, you, may, you may find that this is something that really inspires you to want to show off your great talent. So who knows where this will lead? Yeah, I'll have to keep you posted. Yes, you will have to. Um, let me talk about self-compassion. And that's a that's an interesting one.
1: Oh, I love that one. So my name is Shawana, and the man, of my name is Grace. And Swahili. So I tell people all the time, you have to give yourself grace. You have to take it easy on yourself. I say you have the world that will critique you, right? So why would you give the extra burden of critiquing yourself? Be gracious to yourself. Be compassionate to yourself. Because you have to. You are your first source of yourself, right? And yet this world is going to form their opinion, their opinion. And how do you make sure that you can stay with your own thought process and value of yourself if you're not compassionate to yourself, if you don't give yourself grace, right? So I tell people all the time, even in my leadership roles, I've had discussions with executive level leaders, right? That I collaborate with. And they'll make a the little mistake and I say, okay, give yourself grace. We can get back to, to that at another time or send it to me later you do no good when you so hard on yourself. I'm like, you have the world that'll likely do that in various forms. So you do no good by doing that to yourself. So I'm a firm believer in being compassionate to yourself and giving yourself much grace throughout your day. Because we're human beings at the end of the day. We were not made to be perfect and we'll never be perfect. But I think the biggest thing is loving on ourselves, giving ourselves grace and really being compassionate to ourselves. And that other thing is, When we're able to give that gift to
0: ourselves, we can really give it to other people. So it works two ways. That's actually, it's a good reminder. So if you you think about the way you would treat a friend, so most of us have a special person in our life, right? And when you think about the way you treat your friend, are you your best friend? Do you treat yourself like you treat your best friend? If your best friend screwed up, let's say it was an epic failure, what would you say to your best friend? You'd give your friend, I hope, you'd give your friend some grace. Or you'd say, listen, show yourself some grace. But we don't often say that to ourselves. So it's self-talk. It's like, okay, I'm not an awful person because I did whatever. I love that. Give give yourself some grace. Or the self-compassion is, is really key. Um, and I at least I think that it, it helps with our physical well-being as well because it takes that stress down when you show yourself some kindness when you give yourself some grace you're less hard on yourself so it reduces your stress
1: yeah, absolutely which all goes down to a, a cell your cellular level i'm like it's a trickle effect right so i'm like everything starts and begins with our mind right so i'm like you can bring the idea forth or kill an idea all within your mind So it's such power in it, right? So if we can give ourselves self-compassion, right? Of course, you're not stressed. You're not worried about, oh, I'm not good enough. I didn't do this great enough. I fell here, right? So that stress level goes down, right? So you're not producing all of these um, enzymes that contribute to increasing your stress level, right? So I'm like, it all has, a trickle effect, right? So one thing impacts the next thing. So the more we can love on ourselves, right? I think it has an impact for us physically, emotionally, um, and even how we engage with other people. Like your high level stress, you don't typically engage in a positive way. You may avoid being around people or when you are with people, you may be short tempered, right? You may not be have productive, collaborative uh, relationships to to focus on various projects. So I think it has a lot of impact, whether it be good or bad, depending on what we which what we choose to do.
0: Yes, it it does it does make an impact on other people because we know if we're not showing ourselves some grace and we are tense and we are on edge, and we are feeling like we are the a, a terrible human being. We don't show up for other people the way we should show up for other people. So you're right. It's a two way street. There's a lot of reciprocity in that in that conversation there. And and it really, it really ties together with self soothing. So I always say, what does an adult binky look like? (laughs) Right. So our kids, when they need to self soothe, they have all these techniques. Some kids suck their thumbs. Some look for the binky some have a favorite stuffed animal it's all tactile though that's an that's really interesting so it's all around the senses the the self-soothing perhaps if we practiced a little bit more self-soothing we would actually that would facilitate us giving ourselves that self-compassion yeah
1: i'm like i think that's important i'm like and i think um the way we self soothe may vary from person to person, right? And like depending on the type, I think about personality type, right? Extrovert versus an introvert, right? The technique that 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 they would use for self soothing may be very different for me. So I had to learn to be extrovert. I'm an introvert by by design. That's how I came in the world. My mom said, "I used to worry about you all the time because you didn't do anything inside. You didn't move around." And I said, Okay. So this was in me a long time ago. I was very quiet, but I learned how to be an extrovert. But my point is saying that it is for me, self-soothing is a quiet space, quiet time, being able to be one well with myself, to think clearly, right? That's how I'm able to self-soothe. Whereas an extrovert, or should I say my sister, we're like night and day to her. She self-soothes with being engaged with other people. So her self-soothing is more so um with the audience if she's alone it doesn't she doesn't feel as well but if she's engaging around people that helps her soothe herself where I'm the opposite I'm like nope I need some me time to soothe myself and I need to be in a quiet space um so I think it's different for every person
0: and it is true you you mentioned earlier in the conversation that you do a facial at least three times a week and that's very tactile so that's where you're touching your skin you're massaging your skin you're connecting with yourself and i i can imagine that um, by the way i'm an introvert too um so i'm happier and you know i can do this but i'm i'm happiest when it's just me doing something quiet um It's all right if my dogs are around. I love my dogs and, you know, my grand cat. Um, But but I'm much more comfortable. And for other people, as you said, with your sister, it's something different. She's energized when she's around people and that's the way she's self-soothed. Maybe they give her the sense of comfort Um, and it ties into being self-aware. So all this ties into do you know yourself? Do you know who you are? and then how you show up for other people. And I think that's what you were getting to earlier. You know yourself, you are self-aware.
1: Or, I think it's one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is being self-aware. Um, and fortunately for me, I was able to go through leadership development that allowed me to take these different assessments and tools and work with executive coaches to help me become more self-aware. You don't need that full package to do it. I'm like, there are a lot of resources that are free online that allow you to help become more self-aware, but I think it's one of the greatest gifts, again, that you can gift yourself with is having a sense of awareness of who you are, because once you know who you are, there's nothing or no one that can take that away from you or make you think otherwise. Um, there's a gift in and of itself of being self-aware, as it gives you a level of stability, a level of com- um, comfort and confidence to be able to walk in any room and be able to be comfortable in that space. And I've learned that over time. When I was earlier in my career, I used to be so reserved and uncomfortable in those spaces because I didn't think I belonged. But that's because I didn't know who I was fully. And once I became self-aware of who I am as a person and it gives and attributes that I bring to the table. You can put me in any room and I'll engage comfortably because I know exactly who I am. Um, and I'm
0: comfortable with it. And it's how and how you show up for others. So the way you're perceived by other people is part of that self awareness. And I, and I, completely, completely agree with you. Until you really figure out who you are, it makes it very difficult to feel comfortable in a room with other people, right? Because you're not sure whether they're judging you. If you're an introvert, like we are. Mm-hmm you're an introvert like we are, perhaps people think, oh, well, this is a person who is reserved and that's okay. Yes, you are reserved. It doesn't mean you don't like people. It means that you're reserved. You'll speak when you find that it is important to speak and you don't necessarily have to be the one leading all the conversations. You don't need to speak just to hear yourself speak. So there's There's the level of self-confidence that comes with knowing who you are and then being able to present yourself to other folks. So self-awareness is a part of self-care, just figuring out, you know, how you are comfortable in your own skin. So I think that that is, um, that's certainly key for me. And I had to learn that over time as well. So I wasn't really sure who I was. I'm not sure if I even know that now. So it's, I'm a work in progress. I always say that I am a work in progress.
1: I think it's a continuous journey, right? We get like a baseline, but I don't think it ever goes away. It's something that you always check in on, right? Because we're always growing and evolving individuals. I think once you get that baseline, like this is who I am, you continue to grow from that point. But I know for me, it wasn't until I realized this is who I am. This is what I bring to the table. And I'm comfortable with that, that I felt comfortable with myself among other people, right? And I think it's just such beauty in it.
0: Absolutely. And you know, you said something earlier about um, working with a therapist. Mm-hmm. And I, I completely support and agree with that. If it's, if it's something that you can find in your toolkit, which is to use someone, whether it's a licensed clinical social worker, or a psychologist, someone who you can speak with, who you can bounce ideas off of, it is also part of self-preservation, yes. and that is that is so so important, right? How to deal with the emotional roller coaster that we sometimes experience, right? Life isn't always a straight line; uh, it ebbs and flows. Our relationships ebb, ebb and flow, whether they are with our you know partners, our love interests our children, our parents, our friends. And sometimes it becomes difficult to cope with these things on your own. And if you're finding that that is difficult, if you're fortunate enough to find a good therapist, they are worth their weight in gold. And they can potentially save your life if you are teetering on the edge, right? So I'm a big believer in cognitive behavioral therapy, and I do believe that it's not just a luxury. It's become more of a necessity, more so today than ever with all of what we are confronted with. So, yeah, I think self-preservation and cognitive behavioral therapy and really thinking about how we adjust to some of the emotional difficulties that we that we are confronted with on a daily basis. It's really important.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think therapy should be the mainstay of any individual's life. Um, and I know in certain communities of people, um, therapy may have like a taboo and it may be something that people don't talk about or don't think is something that should be a part of our overall wellness as human beings, But Boy, I'll tell you, if somebody would told me early on in my life to have a therapist, just to have a therapist, I think a lot of things I may have navigated alone, I would have had additional support to guide me through that. So I encourage therapy as just a part of your overall wellness for yourself.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's you, you indicated that you wish you had had that person, I, I feel the same way. And of course, there are many cultures that do view that kids get over it, you're experiencing a challenge in your personal life, you're, you know, you're not sure who you could turn to you can't tell your parents, you can't tell an aunt or an uncle, and you feel isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, if that progresses, sometimes it can be disastrous. So Seeing a mental health professional is really important at almost any stage of life. And there are, you know, there are certainly ways in which you can access mental health professionals, even if you don't feel that you have all the resources that you need. And after this podcast, we'll do some, we'll we'll post some resources so that anyone who is looking for a mental health professional and resource and ways to access that will be able to find it irrespective of of whether it's something that you can afford it's part of your budget or whether you have insurance we'll, tr- we'll try to provide you with those resources because we are so so supportive of finding good mental health support
1: absolutely um i think it's it's so important and i'm like now they have services that are really accessible and you can just use your phone and send a quick text message and you talk to a therapist. I know they said, um, I can't remember where I saw it at, but there's this national hotline and they said it's geared towards like high schoolers. But if you're like in, you need somebody to talk to, you text this line and you're immediately connected to a therapist and there's no charge at all. So there are a lot of resources out there to support people to have overall uh, and I should say in our overall journey to mental health and well-being, right? That yes. Journey because it doesn't, end. it's something that we always have to make sure we are cultivating and supporting throughout our lifetime.
0: Absolutely. No, there's no question about it. You talked about mindfulness and that's, um, that's a, that's a big piece of this. Mindfulness is something that has been practiced by different cultures in different ways for many 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 years so it's not necessarily a new concept but they there are a number of training programs which teach us mindfulness but you said it earlier that it's really living in the present
1: living in the now stay in the now i tell myself that every day Stay in the now once i start going off the thinking ahead or behind I said oh nope standing now what's happening right now and it brings my heart rate down probably my breathing rate down because once I start anticipating what's in the future or worrying about what happened in the past my stress level goes up so like you said earlier breathing pattern my breathing pattern goes up and I can feel my heart fluttering faster so I remind myself I say standing now um Again, I think that's another gift you give yourself. And I started to teach my son it because I'll notice he'll start saying, oh, well, what about next week? And I say, no, Emery, we're focused on right now. Right now we're coloring or right now we're watching a little show or right now we're doing homework. We're not thinking about it. Hey, let's just stay right here and right now. And he's like, okay, mommy. It sounds simple, right? But I think the impact that it gives our bodies and our minds, really does us uh, some really good. Um, just stopping, taking a deep breath and focus on what's occurring now allows our minds to slow down, which I think has an impact on our physiological effect of uh, that stress level potentially go up once we start to think about all these other things that are not currently occurring.
0: You know, when it was, um, when mindfulness was first brought to Western culture, it was really, in connection with physical illness and specifically in chronic illness right to teach folks how to deal with their stress with their chronic illnesses because to your point what did i do how did i get here there's nothing you can do to change that you got here the way you got here so you can't change the past and you have no idea what's going to happen in the future so again this, it was the projection around what's going to happen to me in the future the what-ifs and the what-ifs don't matter because you what is the probability that this is going to happen? We don't know. We don't know. So the only thing that you can do is live your best in the very, in the moment. That's not to say that you don't plan, but it's really keeping your, are absolutely and positively focused on what you can do in the here and now. Right now, these things are happening. This is what I, what I have to work with. And you know, if anybody is listening to this and they know that serenity prayer, I always remind people that serenity prayer is for a much broader audience than those that are dealing with abuse, substance abuse or any type of substance abuse. It really is for a broader audience, right? You have to have the serenity to accept the things you cannot change, courage to change the k- things you can, and wisdom to know the difference. And you notice that I did, not I didn't speak about God, even though that is my belief. But whatever higher power you may believe in, just know that that higher power, right, gives you that grace, gives you that courage, gives you that ability to deal with it in the here and now.
1: Yeah, I think that's powerful very powerful.
0: And that really is the essence of mindfulness and it's something we should be practicing every day. I know it's tough. Sometimes yeah. those of us like you who are planners who have you know large careers and you know lots of responsibilities both uh, externally and in your own home and family, it's tough. But
1: I think that's so true. And the other thing I think helps with that is having somebody in your circle who helps you bring, brings you back into reality and they bring you joy and in a very different way. I think we all, we should bring ourselves joy, but having somebody who reminds you of this is the reality of where you are and they have the ability to bring you and show you joy around you is so important. So having those that can uplift you, I think is helpful and remind you to stay in it now. I think it's, it's always nice to have that support system as well.
0: Yes, if you're fortunate enough to have someone or a group of folks that can do that, you are definitely blessed. Yep, I agree. Blessed. So we, so one of the goals, maybe find that person. Mm-hmm. Maybe That's, that person's right there in your your household. Could be your children. Could be your partner. Absolutely. And I guess
1: it's a beauty to be able to have that because when you're going left off the Besides, so you shouldn't be one. And to have somebody to re- reel you back into the reality of what's happening now. It's a true gift to have.
0: So we began our conversation with your focus on mind, body, and spirit. Yes. And I believe we've covered all bases, Shawana. We sure did. I believe we've covered all the bases. I really hope that our listeners have enjoyed this conversation with you, I certainly have. We we have a lot more in common than I ever imagined, Shawana. Yes,
1: I'm seeing. Sure I didn't know you were an introvert.
0: <laughs> not the least of which is that we are both introverts. Yes. But in spite in spite of that, I I do enjoy people. Um, it's just you know I have to gear myself up for it because that's not something that comes naturally to me. But I do I do enjoy people, and I. I enjoy having these conversations. One-on-ones are actually very, they're very good, right? Because I get to know, I get to know you. I get to understand where you're coming from. And you know, it's always a pleasure and it's especially a pleasure to have had this podcast with you. And we, we're gonna do more. So for those of you listening, you have to stay tuned because Dr. Shawana Moore and I will be having many other conversations. She is a woman of significant wisdom, has come with significant experience and she is a, the ultimate caregiver. She teaches others how to do it well um, and she also teaches leadership. So we're gonna do this again. We'll give you uh, a little bit of a break uh, before our next podcast episode, uh, Dr. Moore, but we wanna thank you, I wanna thank you for joining me today on the Love Mia Vita podcast, and I want to thank all of our listeners for for tuning in. And remember to love Mia Vita, love your life. Take care and be well.